Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that goes beyond the day-to-day to help you live your most aligned life of purpose and potential so that you can thrive at the highest level in your life and then when enough individuals thrive, then the world can thrive. My name is Trang. I am your purpose and high-performance mentor and speaker and your host for the show and today I want to get straight into it because I have a big, juicy topic for us to explore together. And that is, does money buy happiness? And the reason why I want to explore this today is because what I do is I work with women to pivot, to create their dream career or business so that they can live out their potential and purpose and ultimately achieve freedom and fulfillment. And this is what I do. This is the main outcome that our work focuses on. But this is simply a specific contextual version of a greater goal that almost every single human being on this planet strives for. And that's happiness. So let's zoom out. Let's talk about happiness. Let's talk about how you can obtain obtain happiness because I want you to be happy. <laughs> I want you to reach happiness. Like it's not just an elusive state of being that that never seems to be reached like the end of a rainbow. It is something that I believe that we can live with day to day and I want you to experience that. Also because Not only will achieving happiness be amazing for you and you actually be able to live a much better life for yourself, but I also believe that when when an individual reaches happiness, then they'll have more capacity within their lives to redirect their energy and their focus and resources to, to help others. And that is going to create this incredible ripple effect in our world. So more happy people means more happy people and more happy people. (laughs) So I really want you to be happy. And I want to talk about the role of money in happiness, because this, you could say, is a very contentious topic. It's something that seems elusive. It's a little bit taboo. Uh, It seems to be something that a lot of us are trying to get our heads around because, yeah, we we feel like it's something that we're yet to experience and yet to obtain, you know, having enough money to be happy. Therefore, we're always striving to to get more money, to be more happy. So let's explore this. But before we do, I do want to start this whole exploration with the statement of money isn't inherently good or bad. I want to start off with that. Money isn't inherently good or bad. And I'm here to say that because I'm not here to um, take any particular side with money. I'm not here to preach that, oh, like money is the root of all evil. Or if you are in the possession of a lot of money, then you must be manipulative. You must be selfish. I don't believe that. And I also don't believe that money is inherently a good thing either because Ultimately, money is neutral. (laughs) That's what I want to, that's what the message I want to share. Money is neutral. It is a resource. It can be used in good 
or bad ways. And I'm saying that in quotation marks because good or bad is, is subjective, but it's about how it is used. And any individual person who has a lot of money could use it in multiple ways. They could use it to manipulate others, scam others, use it in the black market for something that doesn't help other people. But it could also be used for good. It could also be used for charity, to feed the hungry. It could be used to create progressive technology and and progressive um, like medical advances for humanity. Like it can be used in any way. And that's why I am going to put it out there and I'm going to say this that I personally love money and yeah that might seem bold and a bit controversial to say but it shouldn't be because even though the topic of money can be like taboo and um, there is this invisible kind of energy around money that you know too much of it is a bad thing and we shouldn't want too much of it and we should be humble and and just just take our own fair share of money that's in the economy but here's why I love money I love money because money can buy a lot of things money can buy experiences and experiences is one of my top core values in life I love experiences. Money can buy time with loved ones. And that is also very important to me. Money can buy autonomy. Uh, Money allows me to not compromise. If I want to buy healthy organic food that is a lot more expensive than than junk food, then I want to be able to buy that. I want to be able to invest in myself, invest in mentoring. Like each year I, I invest about, at least a quarter of my earnings into mentoring because I want to develop myself and I want to give myself the best opportunity at living my best life. So so money gives me that autonomy. But here's one of the biggest reasons why I love money and I believe that the more of it, the better because more money equals more impact. More impact, think about it. If we want to create change in this world, if we want to open up an animal sanctuary to home more injured or I don't know, abandoned animals, if we want to be, have power to um, assist in medical advances, uh, technological advances, if we want to be able to feed the, the hungry, then we need to have the power to be able to redistribute money into those areas. And the the best way that we have power to do that is to have that money in our own hands so that we can redistribute money, redistribute money in the way that we believe is progressive and is um, valuable and is moral. And entrepreneur Dan Priestley said it so beautifully when he stated that the more money that we want, the less selfish we actually are. Because think of it like this. If someone wants $200,000 a year, then it's likely because $200,000 a year will give them a comfortable life. They'll be able to live well, have a nice family home, have a nice car, go on a couple of holidays a year, look after their family, eat good food. And it's all about them. But someone who doesn't just want $200,000 a year, they want a billion dollars a year, 
will actually want that money for more than themselves because, you know, with a billion dollars, you'll get everything that $200,000 will give you, but also the power to make a difference in assisting charities, in assisting abandoned kids, sick kids, like feeding the hungry, helping clean up the oceans, helping to replant and revitalize the world's rainforests. Like more is going to be able to be distributed in a selfless way. But people who are wanting $200,000 a year, maybe $250,000 a year, $300,000, $500,000 a year, they're likely still kind of thinking about themselves. So I want to first start off with that little spiel on money mindset, because ultimately money isn't something that just happens by accident. You know, the way that we attract money into our life versus repel money into our lives purely comes down to our mindset, our mindset around money, our relationship with money. And this is really important because this is the case with everything in our life. Nothing happens by accident. Our external world is a mirror and a reflection of our internal world. And money mindset is so important because it is a major resource that we need in our life. It gives us a lot of power to do what it is that we want and to create impact in the way that we want. So money mindset is something that I'd highly recommend looking into more if you want to change your financial situation. Like it's not just about budgeting. It's not just about saving and and putting aside like 10% of your income each week or each month. It goes beyond that. It comes down to your deep embedded programmed association and relationship with money. And that is why all of my group courses, I have a section on money mindset. Like it's something that it's something that is the basis of our creation of wealth. And if I can even use as an example, I remember one client from Power Your Potential, previously Journey of Potential, um, now Power Your Potential, who doubled her business in over just over eight weeks. And there were quite a few different parts of why she was able to achieve that outcome. And she did fantastic. She's now fully booked out as well. Like I caught up with her quite a few months after Power Your Potential had ended. And by then she had completely booked out her business, which is absolutely fantastic. But when she first was on the journey of growing her business and achieving the milestone of doubling her business, a part of what she shifted internally was her money mindset. She previously thought that it was unethical to hold a lot of money and to charge her clients a lot of money because a lot of them can't afford it. So it's unethical to be asking of them too much. But then when we did some money mindset work together and actually shifted the association with money, that is when she was able to create abundance of wealth in her life. And she's got the biggest heart of anyone. So with that money that she now has within her hands, she gets to use in a meaningful, moral way. So money mindset is really important. 
Now, answering the question, does money buy happiness? What does the research actually say? Well, to create a bit of an overview, the relationship between money and depression is actually a U-shape. So think of a U-shape. Those who have the lowest, um, the lowest income, they have the most depression. Right, they have high levels of depression because they're struggling day to day. They're they're constantly stressed about money, how to put food on the table, how to keep a roof over the head, and each day they've got a high mental emotional load. But from there, as we make more money and we have high levels of income, then yeah, the levels of depression gets reduced. But that is only up until a certain point, because at a certain point. Even more income leads to higher levels of depression again. So it's a U-shape. Very low levels of income equals high depression. More income starts to reduce that depression. But at a certain point, even more income starts to increase the levels of depression again. So it's a U-shape. And this is really interesting because, yeah, we, we generally think, or I know, I know at least I did, I used to think that, more money is a, a linear relationship with, with happiness. And the reason why this is has been identified in a study by Kahneman and Dayton, um, who, who looked at two different definitions of happiness. So I've got to give you kind of the background first before I give you the actual findings and statistics. So there are two definitions of happiness that um, these two looked at. One is the day-to-day levels of happiness. So day-to-day emotional well-being, which is generally, you know, how we would answer the question, how are you feeling today? Now, the other type of happiness is a bit more of a bigger picture happiness and it's called life evaluation or satisfaction, which is like how satisfied you might be when you look back on your life as a whole. So these are the two definitions of happiness. And what Kahneman and Dayton found was that having a salary up to $110,000 Australian or $75,000 USD per year, up to that point, there is a linear increase in both types of happiness. So more emotional well-being, more happiness, more life satisfaction. But however... Beyond that point, beyond $110,000 Australian or $75,000 USD, there isn't an increase in emotional well-being. How interesting is that? So up until that point, once again, that's $110,000 Australian or $75,000 USD, there is an increase in both emotional well-being and life satisfaction. But beyond that, as the salary increases, there is an increase in life satisfaction, but not emotional well-being. And the reason for that, they found, is because up to that point, money can buy the things that are important to give us humans the basic levels of well-being and happiness. So up to that point, money will buy time that we can spend doing what we want with who we want. 
That money up until that point can help us avoid pain and disease, will help us enjoy leisurely activities. But beyond that threshold, more and more money won't be able to buy the most important things for our day-to-day emotional well-being, such as spare time, being with loved ones, um, personal autonomy. So like the little things like us waking up with our alarm and going for a run before work, that gives us a a very heightened, um, uh, that gives us a big portion of our emotional day-to-day well-being. It's like, you know, even just doing our run in the morning or being able to sit on the couch with our family at nighttime. It's those little things that play a big role in the emotional well-being. And yeah, money beyond 75,000 USD won't buy more of that. And some other reasons why the ultra-rich have higher rates of depression and, and happiness isn't linear with more and more and more wealth, there's actually quite a few reasons that the research has identified. So here are just a few. So more money, especially when it comes to having like excessive amounts of wealth, generally, the science shows, the research shows, makes us less generous. And this is generally speaking, right? This is this is research, so it is a generalization. But more and more, especially excessive wealth makes us less generous. So for example, we'll give less to charity and makes us a little bit more mean. <laughs> so that doesn't help with our happiness because there's a lot of research to show the relationship between being generous with our happiness. Having excessive wealth also makes us more lonely. Um, there's a few reasons for that. You know, the, the more money we have, the more trust issues we have because anyone new who comes into our life, we're like, oh, can I trust them? Why are they really wanting to be friends with me? And you know, being hated by a majority of society also doesn't help because, yeah, let's let's be honest, a lot of people have uh, have a lot of envy towards the ultra wealthy and and hate on, hate on them. Um, ultra wealthy people also generally live in bigger houses, so they're physically isolated. Um, they they get to a place in their lives where there can be more competition and, and selfishness, and they don't need to rely on others anymore. They don't need to spend as much time with family or friends. So then they don't, and then there is less social connectedness and and, and more independence. So it leads to more loneliness. And and that is a huge aspect of uh, our levels of happiness. More money also leads to more wants. So increase in day-to-day lifestyle and, and, um, you know, standards of food and, and material things. But the problem is that material possessions don't actually make us happier. Um, It's all the other things that I mentioned, right? Like spending time with loved ones, all the little things, the ability to actually savor experiences. And that's the thing as well. Some of the research has actually also shown that the more money we have, the less ability we have to savor the small moments, such as enjoying a piece of chocolate. And if we can't savor those moments, then we're not going to be able to experience them. And then we're going to feel increased levels of emptiness or numbness as we go through life. More money equals more responsibility, more work, more stress. Like now, instead of being worried about losing potentially $50,000, 
through a business deal, it's going to be the risk of losing $500 million through this business deal. There's a lot more at stake. There are a lot more responsibilities and there's a lot of work involved. And here's another thing. And I found this so interesting because I really resonate with this going through my own quarter life crisis, which as you know, wasn't actually a crisis. It was an awakening. And this has nothing to do with money. Like I could have had all the money in the world, but this would have still crushed me. And this was actually mentioned by a psychotherapist who specifically works with billionaires. Like what a gig. Imagine the wankers that he'd work with. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But his name is Clay Cockrell. And he is a psychotherapist who specifically works with billionaires. Um, he's based in New York and he's written some articles on this. And one of the things that he's mentioned that billionaires struggle with very commonly, there's the pattern amongst those that he works with, is that they lack purpose. You know, what's the point of getting out of bed when your business now runs without you? When everything that you need and want and even more is covered? And you, everything that you want could be obtained in a blink of an eye. Like they, they lose that sense of purpose and excitement and mystery and, and gratification that comes with, you know, working for something and then, and then achieving it. And I think that's a really big one to, to just think about for a second, because, you know, like the pursuit of wealth even though it's something that a lot of people want that pursuit to be over as soon as possible and just to achieve everything that they want tomorrow. But it's actually the pursuit that gives us that sense of excitement and thrill and something to wake up for and get out of bed for and something to look forward to. But imagine if we actually did get everything that we wanted right now and anything that we could absolutely want or need in this whole world we could obtain right now with, you know, click of a finger, if we had a genie in a bottle that could just grant us everything that we wanted, then imagine how quickly life would get boring and life would become meaningless. Imagine how quickly we would lose interest in living because it's gotten boring pretty quick. So relative change is actually a big part of happiness. What I'm just talking about there, seeking something and then obtaining it, that experience in itself, relative change plays a big role in happiness. So for example, someone who makes, let's say someone who makes a million dollars a year, their first year of making a million dollars a year because previous years they made maybe 700,000 or 800,000, that first year is going to be just absolutely a dream, right? They're finally hit making seven figures a year. Their, their income has increased by about $200,000 over the last 12 months. So that first year of making a million dollars is going to be very high in emotions and pride and excitement compared to someone who's made a million dollars a year, six years in a row. In the sixth year, the person experiencing the joy of making a million dollars that year 
it can be guaranteed that it won't be the same level of joy as the first year that they made that million dollars. And why is that? Purely because of a phenomenon called adaptation. Once we get to a certain level of, or a certain experience, we adapt to it. We normalize it. It becomes standard and it no longer gives us the same amount of joy as when we first got to it. Like even think of a simple example of going on holidays. You know, the first few days of living in this massive grand resort, it's like, wow, this is fantastic. I can actually swim up to the bar and I can actually get a drink and drink in the pool and I can, I can walk straight from the resort onto the beach. But then after the fifth or sixth day, or if you're there for two weeks, or if you're there for three months, you can probably imagine that it will no longer have the same effect as it did when you first got there. So adaptation means that there is nothing that is inherently going to give us happiness. It is the relative change and the relative experience of it that gives us happiness. And for me, like I believe I can say that I have discovered the secret of happiness. Um, I am so happy day to day. And yeah, there are days where I'm stressed or there are days where I'm crying of sadness. But overall, like I am so happy. If you can't already sense from my podcasts and, and just how I live life, like I am such a happy person. But the reason why I have unlocked happiness and I have reached this elusive goal of happiness is because I have realized and understood and embodied the fact that happiness isn't a destination. It's not, oh, when I make seven figures a year, I'll be happy. It's not, oh, when I have a boyfriend or a husband or children or a dog or a big house with a big backyard that I'll be happy. It is not a destination. It is an ongoing never-ending journey of relative experiences. And I know that's so cliche. Well, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. But that's exactly it. It is all relative. My What keeps me happy is that each day, each week, I am working to create relativity. Now, I'm constantly undergoing personal growth, professional growth doing new things, trying new things, experiencing new experiences, whether it's travel, whether it's food, whether it's music, um, whether it is trying new things in my friendships, trying new hobbies, living in the present moment, savoring the present moment. And I know that none of this is going to be a an everlasting thing. Like I can't just get my hit of experiences in January of the year and then be good for the rest of the year. It's not how it works. It's an ongoing process. So every day, every week, every month, I am working on creating this relativity, creating this personal autonomy, like, you know, having my cold showers and challenging myself with fitness. It's all those little doses of personal empowerment, personal pride and gratification and self-validation 
and experiences and, and joy and, and going through the ride of different emotions as different experiences um, happen in life, that is what makes life fun. That's what makes life exciting. That's what makes me happy. And of course, not to mention me living day to day in alignment to my purpose and to my values. Like every day when I show up as my highest self and I express my best and I do things like help a woman who's dropped her groceries, pick up the groceries for her. Or when I compliment the receptionist at the medical clinic that I've just been to. Or when I've had a big day of coaching and I receive messages at the end of the day and my clients are like, wow, that was such a powerful session. I'm already seeing things differently. I'm already feeling differently. Or I get a message and my client's like, you've just changed my life in that one session. You know, or even this happened this last week, a client messaged me, someone who I haven't worked with for two years. She, we, she did power your potential, um, back in 2020. So yeah, it's been three and a bit years. And she messaged me saying that she's had this deeply expansive and opportunistic year in 2022. And she said that she wouldn't have been able to go down that path and have that magnitude of growth if she hadn't done power your potential back in 2020. And that message just lit me up. It just gave me so much joy, gave me so much pride and gratitude of how I can't believe me, you know, this, this one person gets to have that influence on someone outside of me. And no doubt, you know, this client's friends and family and people that she comes across in her life, she gets to then share that gift with others as well. And that just creates this beautiful ripple effect. So that to me is what creates happiness. And yeah, money is absolutely part of it, right? Like I wouldn't be able to invest in myself, get the mentoring, get the guidance to build the business to where it is now, to have the the resources that I have now to travel, to, um, you know, be able to eat the healthy, yummy food that I eat, to be able to go to dance classes and gymnastics classes, to be able to um, invest in even more mentoring. Like all of this starts with having that resource, but it's not the only thing. So much of my other joy and happiness comes from things that money cannot buy. Like some of my happiest moments is just going for a walk with my dogs as I watch the sunset over the horizon at the beach. Some of my happiest moments is when I have a deep connection after catching up with a friend or with a partner or with a family member. And we have this deep connection. We, we, we go deep and we, we have this really beautiful conversation. And I, I, I walk away from that with my heart glowing. Some of the, the best moments is when I hang up on a Zoom call with a client and it was a revolutionary call for them. Oh, those moments, those moments move me to tears. Yes, I have gotten tearful before when I've received big transfers of income into my bank, but the tears that come after some of these moments are absolute 
true joy. So the answer to this whole exploration, does money buy happiness? Yeah, I'd say money buys happiness up to a point as research shows money up until 75,000 USD buys happiness. But beyond that, it does not. You know, as soon as you have moved away from struggling day to day and just simply surviving, beyond that, it's the money can only buy a slice of what happiness is really about. Money can only buy a slice of what that emotional well-being is really about because the rest is mutually exclusive from money. The rest is independent from what money can buy you. So there you go. Does money buy happiness? That is my exploration of it. That's my little spiel. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this has been a really interesting topic for me to explore. Like, you know, reading the research on it. Yeah, I've always had my own beliefs around money that, yeah, money is and can be a really beautiful thing. And it is power to do good in this world. And it is power to have an impact in this world. But also I knew that it wasn't everything because I knew there were a lot of wealthy people who were miserable in their lives. But reading the research and actually looking at the specifics of why and how money doesn't necessarily buy happiness has been really interesting. So I hope that this episode has been interesting for you. I hope that this episode has at least like shifted your perspective or uh, at least shifted your association with money a little bit so that you can move forward in your life and show up as your best and create your best wealth and abundance and use that for yourself and for the greater good. All right, that's it. Nothing more to say. Uh, I will leave it there. You have a beautiful rest of your week and I'll catch you in the next episode.